the number one draft pick. Is it still Kalon Thibodeau? Is there anything changing? We're going to get into that first. Then, Justin Ross, and, and the evolution of an injury and how you get from a lost season to an NFL career. What is the process going into the NFL draft? And lastly, how does a fired coach affect his players and their joining? either an NFL team, uh, a trainer to try to get ready for the, the combine. What does that do to derail a prospect's life going into the NFL draft? We're going to cover all that and more here on Locked On NFL Draft. You are Locked On NFL Draft, your daily podcast covering the NFL Draft. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Locked On NFL Draft. I'm your host, former NFL and AFL defensive back. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Tracy. And we want to thank y'all for making us your first listen of the day. Ryan, man, how you doing? I'm I'm doing well. I'm excited about this part, like this part of the season, right? Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. We're going to have shows for you here another couple of days this week. We're going to take Thursday off, but want to say enjoy your holiday. And this is about in a normal cycle when I'm not doing a, a year-round draft show, right? This is just about when I start to like start making requests, trading people for all 22. This is, this is where yeah. it usually starts to kick up for me. So speaking of kicking up, man, and you, you got Kayvon Thibodeau, and he's been – for sure, the number one draft prospect that, that he's going number one overall, especially in the class where you know he's not that guy at the quarterback position. I think he sticks out even more. But this past weekend, Oregon was really dominated by Utah. And some people, especially on my time, started to point out some areas where Thibodeau might need to improve. And it was mainly the run game where he's just been a non-factor and kind of getting pushed around down there. Are we starting to look at Thibodeau through, you know, a different lens and maybe a guy who can't be an every down like four, three in and might have to specifically be drafted to more of a three, four style defense? You know, it's possible. I've, I've started getting a lot of that the last couple of weeks. Um, the USC contest where he got run on pretty good. I think he got optioned a couple of times as well. Like it's not just about the physicality part, right? It's, it's about the the discipline to man and set that edge in the run game too. But that said, it's the run game. We all know what's going on at the NFL. There, there are certain teams in college that are going to run maybe twice as many carries in the season as an NFL team. So right. like we might be getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but you're right. I, I'm hearing more in the wind from people that do this for a living, that track college prospects. I'm hearing a lot more from fans. For me, the big standout that I've been kind of waiting for all season is that I want Kalen Thibodeau to just take over a game. And I haven't seen that kind of dominance that made me just go, okay, he can get to the next level and just have one of those nights. Like we saw Chris Jones have on Sunday night football, like one of those kind of things. Like you have to be able to get to that point, I think to be in consideration for the number one overall pick. Well, he did have that one dominant game against UCLA where he had multiple sacks and he was like, we can have it off of the edge. But again, that's in the passing game. And I think people know just the raw pure ability that he has as an edge rusher. And I think that's what people are going to value most. I started to kind of think back uh, a couple of years ago, there was a really good class where you had Nick Bosa, you had Cleveland Farrell. 
You also had mm-hmm. a guy named Josh Allen. And Josh Allen, I remember watching him. Josh Allen, you had Brian Burns in that class as well. But Josh Allen specifically was someone who everyone loved. And you see the size, you see the ability, you see the raw athleticism. But the one area I thought he needed to improve on was probably more so in the run game. I think early on in his NFL career, had double-digit sacks as a rookie. I think he's doing well again. I don't think people care so much about defending the run with your 4-3 is. And again, people are going to point to that with Kayvon Thibodeau. But I think at the NFL level, it's really all about, can you get to the quarterback? Can you make plays from there? They'll try to figure out different ways to kind of manufacture run stops. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And they're going to give him a little bit more support. And they're going to give him some leeway because of what he can do against the pass. And I think you brought up UCLA. That's a good point. I don't know that the matchup there was anything that I'm, I'm projecting to the NFL level, but you know, right. just trying to say, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's going to be about, can you get around the edge? And he certainly has the explosive part of it. I think he's got enough anchor from what I've seen live. When I get the 22 and I can really dig in, I'll have a better idea. But I think it's that evolution of the pass game and the volume of passes that we're seeing in NFL games, that that's what it's going to come down to. As long as you get to the quarterback, he's going to be fine. I just don't know that there's a quarterback, and and I think probably quarterback is the only other position that could leapfrog him at this point right. in, the, in the eyes of the scouts, but we'll find out. Maybe offensive line, but, you know, like, I can't remember who I heard talk about this, but they said they, you know, especially at the top of the draft, you're looking for three things. One, a guy who can protect the quarterback. Two, obviously, I'm mean, a quarterback, and that should be first, but sure. the other guy is someone who can get after a quarterback, all right? So the quarterback is involved in all three of these, whether you're protecting them, getting after them, or you are the quarterback. And he's one of those pieces right there that I think will be really pivotal in the draft come that time. I think the only person that can leapfrog him is probably an offensive tackle that people really think highly of. When I look at Thibodeau, I, one thing that I like to go with, especially at the top, right, you're looking for these freakish athletes with high upside, is what can I teach, what can't I teach? I think his length, his size, his speed, his bend, you know, just that raw ability coming off of the edge, it's really difficult to teach that, right? And even then, you can teach some of the hand fighting and things like that that's going to make him even more desirable. But you also can teach him certain things to help him against the run. So I'm assuming the NFL, when they go to, you know, look at him and they're going to kind of value this type of prospect, is really going to be all about what can't they teach? And I think it's how he gets after the quarterback. Yeah, and those natural abilities that, that his mom gave him that we didn't, you know? Right. So, you know, speaking of raw abilities, we have a, a receiver here, Justin Ross, who has declared for the NFL draft. We're talking about the senior receiver out of Clemson, and he lost a year due to an injury, so he could have came back because of probably – he probably could have gotten a, a medical red shirt year. Then they had the COVID year. So mm-hmm. he really didn't have to come out yet. Yeah, he could play a couple more years. But – Another injury. Now, this is coming off of after his freshman year, 1,000-yard season as a freshman, played next to T. Higgins. That was awesome. Sophomore year, you know, had another solid season, almost 1,000 yards. Had another, what was it, 10 touchdowns or so? Like eight touchdowns, I believe it was. And then after that year, that was when he had the back injury. So he had to get the spinal fusion surgery. And that was something I'm like, man, like, is this guy going to come back from back surgery? I don't know. Back surgery just scares the hell out of me. I don't All right, with his back. Neck injuries, like those things, I'm like weary of it. DK Metcalf, he had the neck thing, and I was like, yeah, that's scary. All right, but then he he ends up uh kind of, you know, coming back this year, and he's doing well. Look at his numbers, 47 catches, 524 yards, three touchdowns, and that's with his quarterback, DJ Ugulele. Ugulele? Yeah, there we go, Ugulele. Uh, 
you know, he's having kind of a down year. So Justin Ross, he's kind of been, you know, between him, number 80, I believe his last name is Rogers, I believe, but number 80, uh, they've kind of been carrying this whole thing. Production maybe not as good as he would have liked, and maybe the quarterback position has something to do with that. But he has a stress fracture in his yeah. foot, and he elects early on to just say, you know what, I'm going to just opt out from the rest of this season, get this surgery, and prepare for the NFL draft. Do you think that – whether it's his past injury history or what's going on now will ultimately affect him as an NFL draft prospect. I, I think it will always go into the evaluation. Like it's going to be part of it, but this is actually what got me thinking about, you know, how do these guys go when, when things aren't going well, like you're, you don't have the opportunity to play out your, your last year or to put your first best foot forward, whether it's the coaching thing we'll talk about in a bit or an injury plague couple of seasons like this. For me, I think the talent's there. You can see it on film when he is healthy. And a foot stress fracture like this, I think it's smart of him to shut it down now and be able to get it corrected, get it rested, and get ready for the combine, get ready for the pre-draft process that I think you have to go through. And you have to explain some of the medical conditions and how you dealt with it, how you rehabbed. I think the work ethic at rehab is going to be a bigger portion of it than maybe um, in, in players with similar injuries in the past because of the history and the spinal thing. I agree with you. That makes me nervous as well. But I think there's no doubting that right now, if he does get back to full health, he's a guy with a lot of talent that is well under the radar of this wide receiver class right now. Well, you talked about this wide receiver class and his head coach, Davos Winnie came out and was like, Hey, this guy's he's NFL ready. He doesn't need to come back. You know, he's fine. Go to the NFL. Justin Ross, you're going to do just fine. But when you look at this class and we've talked a lot about this receiver class and some of the really special talents you have, whether it's, you know, uh, Garrett Wilson, Olave, mm. uh, you know, Traylon Burks. I mean, the list goes on and on. Coming off of an injury, how's Justin Ross going to kind of factor into those guys? Because even looking at them, I thought even if healthy, I don't think he's a top five prospect oh, no. receiver. I wouldn't think even, so either. Even with healthy, right? Like, and he's solid. He's a solid receiver. And I think he'll be a potential day two pick. But his head coach told him don't come back. But I actually think that maybe coming back would have maybe solidified him a little bit more on what he's able to do and, and take out a lot of the questions. Because, again, they're going to look at him, one, as a prospect and just, you know, how does he move? How does he run routes? What type of speed does he have? You know, all those things. On top of the, you know, production and whatever, which he has that. He has the size. He has the ability. But they're going to look and see how does that stack up with the rest of this class and what does it look like? And I think when you look at these other guys, I mean, even guys I didn't even mention, like a Drake London, mm -hmm. right? How does he stack up with a Drake London where they kind of play similar games, but Drake London is like three inches taller, you know? Yeah, there's going to be a lot of questions, you know, in the sense of where he stacks up with the rest of these guys that I'm not sure is going to work out in his favor like he thinks. The only thing that I would say that would contradict that is if I were if I were advising him, if I was training him and I realized that, he has a chance to go now and still be a top 100 pick. And I do think he is in that realm. Uh, day two is exactly where I think he is. I'm with you there. I think, honestly, the Drake London injury helps him a little bit because I think it it lowers the the concern bar overall for the whole process across the league, right, and lets them really dig into it. And if I'm him, I'm telling him it's better to go now and come out as a, a third-round prospect, get on a roster, and start your career than it is to take a chance and have another injury at the college level without having gotten any of that done. So for him, I don't know there's much else that you can see him progressing towards, 
next season with the quarterback situation, with the team as it is, I think this is the best decision for him. And I think it's a great value for, for those of you that want to talk about the, the GM side of this. There's a value there that you've seen what he can do on film. If you feel that, A, it's correctable, and the medicals will reveal that, right? And you feel that you have a good training staff, you can help him keep himself healthy. This could end up being a steal of a talent that a year ago, if he'd come out, or two, or two years ago, you, you'd just say he's a, a top 30 pick, right? And now if you still have the same talent level that you can massage into staying healthy, that's quite a value at, say, you know 87 or whatever. Right, and there's another receiver that is actually coming back from an injury, and he's doing things kind of the opposite way, and that's George Pickens, receiver for Georgia. You know, he's coming off of an ACL. He missed the first 10 games of the season, and he said, you know what, I'm coming back, and I'm assuming he's coming back because he's thinking about that draft, and he wants people to just see him. Look, I'm healthy. I'm, I got my, my feet under me. Uh, the knee is okay. Don't worry about me. Let me go out and play these last few games. I think this is kind of his audition for the NFL. What do you kind of think about Pickens coming back this late in the year and probably, and I'm assuming you can let me know what you think about this coming back right now because he's potentially wanting to enter the NFL draft. Yeah, I mean, good for him for getting all the way back. The question for me would always be, are you healthy enough to be your best or are you still at 80%? Because then I don't think it's worth it. But I also think this also tells you a couple of things. If you're if you're somebody in the in the scouting system, if you're working for a team, this tells you that he's clearly got a goal of getting in the NFL. He clearly wants to show his work ethic from rehab, which is something that happens. Everybody gets injured in the NFL. There's no way around it. But it also tells you that there's a national title here in the future for this team, right? He wants to be a part of that. He wants to help his team get there. Like, for me, obviously you get way more from an actual interview from the outside looking without talking to the player that tells me that he's motivated in ways that aren't necessarily just about him and i like that as a guy trying to build a roster that i can win with yeah i like that too and another thing that i like man is thanksgiving and thanksgiving is around the corner and uh we all know what that means man is football and nothing goes better with football than a turkey and betting. And you know what? I like, I'm not a turkey guy. I'm more of a ham guy. All right. But uh, bet online. Can't stuff has... a ham, dude. No, man. Are you a turkey? Are you a turkey person? Yeah, I'm a stuffing guy. That's what I am. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely more of a, I like the honey glaze with the, you know, like mm. with the pineapples and stuff like that. But anyways, bet online has you covered just like the, the honey glaze over the ham. All right. Uh, and they have you covered during this holiday season with more props. Odds and lines than ever before. Bet online remained your number one spot for all sports action this Thanksgiving. So head over right now to the new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus using the promo code locked on. And that's how you'll receive your bonus. All right. And it's not just football. I mean, you can bet on all the pro sports. You can bet on some college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, all that good stuff. And your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of this amazing offer that's good throughout the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. All right, that's bet online, where we are stuffed with details this Thanksgiving. All right, now some more details, and we wanted to get into like you know the the a head coach firing. How does that affect guys potentially with their you know draft status? And what is to do, not just for guys that are planning on leaving, but guys that are still there, right? And what does that do to their future as a prospect? So Dan Mullins, 
fire after you know being you know whatever he was at at Florida. He started this game this season five and six. I swear I feel like everything was all good just last year. He he was like the Florida was a pretty much a dominant team. They played extremely well. They you know lost a few games or whatever, but the team was playing well. He had Kyle Trask. He was playing at a high level, and then they go into this season. They're five and six, and we get the news Sunday. Boom, he's fired. Or they are parting ways. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you look at some of the guys that he has handpicked to bring in. When he got the job at Florida, the first guy that he called, Emory Jones, brought him in at quarterback, right? Now, you look at Emory Jones, and maybe, I don't know if Mullins has, Dan Mullins has failed to kind of really develop him or bring him along, but he's kind of been up and down. And now the guy that – promised him the opportunity to really develop him and bring him along as a quarterback, he's out of there. So what does it mean for some of these younger guys, whether it's Emory Jones, whether it's Anthony Richardson, these guys that have these pro aspirations, I'm pretty sure it's a lot of those guys. What happens when your head coach is fired like this? I mean, that's the hard part. You got to take stock. You have to figure out, A, what's the direction going? Like you'll see a lot of of leadership groups, older uh, upperclassmen be consulted about this. It, it depends on your, obviously your athletic department, but you have to buy into that. You have to engage. You can't, I think if you're in that situation and you're a guy that feels that you have a chance to get in the NFL, that you have to, you have to take it by the horns. You can't let just everything go by and see who the coach becomes and that kind of thing. I think you also have to then realize that you're there to win games with your team, but you're also there to put good film out. And at the end of the day, it all, it's all going to come back down to the film. You mentioned a couple of players. I think the one for me is is Elam, the DV, that I think preseason yeah. we heard in some really lofty spots in terms of rankings, a guy that I think is still going to be a high draft pick. But how do you recover from that? How do you put good film on tape when you're rudderless and you don't have a coach and you can't come up even with a, a solid defensive game plan to actually execute? Well, I mean, this was something that happened just last year, and a couple of cornerbacks had this same – uh, dilemma that they were in, right? You look at the cornerbacks at South Carolina because Will Muschamp was fired in the middle of that year. So you had J.C. Horn and Izzy uh, Mukamara. No, there you go, Mukawamu. Sorry, sorry, Israel. Yeah, Mukawamu. <laughs> All right, so yeah, Izzy uh, uh There you go. All right, yeah, you had Izzy and J.C. Horn who both said, "Well, you guys are gonna fire my head coach. I'm out of here." Right. And they decided to just go to the NFL right now. And it didn't really hurt J.C. Horn's uh, draft prospect. I mean, draft stock. He was the first cornerback taken in the draft, number eight overall, to the Carolina Panthers. Was having a good start to his rookie year until he fractured his foot. But is he? I mean, he maybe. I think he was like a, what, a day two or early day three pick. Yeah, and and I think he ended up moving to safety as well, which I always thought was a, a good fit for him, to tell you the truth. So again, that is about the film and what we saw on there, right? It, it wasn't right. necessarily about. And maybe it's because they're DVs. I don't know, but it sends the whole program into upheaval. If you're a quarterback, if you're, um, you know, if you're a wide receiver that's talented, like you're reliant on that staff to help you move forward. So does your OC become your head coach in the interim? Does the DC happen? Like I think that also has a big outcome on how you prepare for the draft and how you make your decisions. Yeah, I mean that's something that we're gonna have to see. But I think I, I feel Elam. I'm not worried about him. I think regardless, he's put enough on film over these last few years as a starting cornerback for uh florida gators that you know his evaluation is going to be fine but it, i feel for the guys that are kind of still developing and the guys that are still trying to find their way 
And those are the guys I feel like he hurts the most. The Emory Jones, what was the plan for him? The Anthony Richardson, what was the plan for him? And Richardson and, I mean, and Emory Jones, I think people are trying to figure out which one is the guy, which one is going to be the starting quarterback. And when you have Dan Mullins there, who's responsible for bringing both of those guys in, he has a plan. Yeah. Unfortunately, that plan is out the window now. And these guys in their future, especially as draft prospects, is kind of up in the air. Now, I guess it can be salvaged if you try to figure out you know, all right, they're bringing in a new staff. Uh, let's try to figure out, uh, you know, how we could kind of salvage this situation. If you are Anthony Richardson, I want to ask you, if you were in his shoes, would you now look to potentially transfer maybe into the 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 transfer portal and maybe go to a school that where you have more of an established office? Or do you say, you know what, we have everything we need here at Florida. I need to stay here and just figure out who they bring in and just go from there. But do they? That's the question. Do we do we know who's going to take that over? Because I right now I'm not I'm not convinced. I'm leaving my options completely open if I'm him. I'm looking at the portal. I'm considering who's in the opposite situation. What what established offensive coach with a good system that I like just lost his quarterback to graduation or to early draft or whatever? Like I, I am making no commitments at this point until I understand what Florida's committing to. All right. That's a great question. Great question. And we're going to, you know, you're keeping an eye on that whole situation and what happens with, with that coaching situation at Florida. What happens with some of these younger guys, Emory Jones, Anthony Richardson, and these guys who will eventually be draft prospects. We're also going to be keeping an eye on some of these receivers that are coming out that we talked about today. Justin Ross, George Pickens. How does their process really play out as the NFL uh, draft process starts to kind of ramp up now? Now we're about to start getting into our real evaluations and that's the part that i really live for i i can't wait to really dive in watch film you talked about trading film with guys i know all about that getting all <laughs> 22 and everything but i think that's when we'll really be able to start ramping up you know with this show and we hope that you guys will stay tuned for all that that stuff will be coming soon but for now that's going to be it for today's episode we thank you for making us your first listen from croc from ryan we are out